Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Hey church, how we doing? Uh, good to have you back on a Sunday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying these online services. I know we would enjoy much more to be together uh, but I also believe this is quite the opportunity to share this with friends and put this out there in a way that maybe others hadn't been able to see before and, and in some ways give people an opportunity to uh, go to church that otherwise wouldn't. And uh, so if you're new with us, uh, this is your first, second, third time checking it out, uh, welcome. My name is Brandon. My wife Meredith and I pastor uh, this, what we believe is an amazing group of people, community of faith, and um, you're welcome. You are absolutely welcome into this place and into uh, this community, and, and we hope today encourages you. Uh, I wanted to share a couple things. We're in the year of the pattern, as I mentioned last week. Uh, we want to um, uh, establish patterns of Jesus so that we could uh, adjust posture to stand like Jesus, so that we could inhabit places like Jesus did. And we're seeing that even now, like this year, it's been unreal how uh, everything has worked. In, in the first part of the a year, we talked about withdrawal and return, to withdraw to see Jesus so that we would return looking more like Him. You don't withdraw for the sake of withdrawing, you withdraw so that you might then return. And then we talked about temple to table uh, right before we ended up having to spend a lot more time around our table in our homes. Uh, and then we did death and resurrection, a pattern of Jesus. And, and really over the last couple of weeks and last week and this week and, and possibly next week, we'll be in a pattern called wind and waves. What do you do when the storm hits your life? What do you do when the wind and waves seem to come crashing in on your world where routines and, and uh uh, challenges and all the things are disrupted. Everything you thought was normal, everything that was uh, normal to life is, is brought to a halt. Now, for some of us, that's work. For some of us, that's health. Uh, for some of us, it's just simply what we typically did in a day is not what we typically do now. And, and for people who, like us, who are creatures of habit, uh, that can be fairly disruptive to us as people. And so we are in this series and pattern called wind and waves to talk about how do we do what Jesus did? How do we live like him? How do we adopt or establish a pattern like Jesus so that we could begin to adjust our posture to stand like he did, even in places where the storm seems to be surrounding us? And I want you to know that in this moment, uh, C3 Fort Worth stands with you and we are with you. And if you need us, if you need help, if you need prayer, please, please, please reach out to us. We want to be there for you. Um, and I cannot wait for the day that we get to come back together, slap high fives, shake hands, give hugs, and just be together again. I want to go to Matthew chapter 14. Last week we talked out of Mark chapter 4 when the storm showed up and Jesus was sleeping in the boat, right? We talked about what does it look like when Jesus is asleep and you have to wake him up. Maybe some of you have felt like Jesus has been sleeping on the job lately. We talked about what that means. So I'd encourage you to go back and check that out. What do we do in the moments where we're in the boat, we're fearing for our life, and yet Jesus is on the boat, but he's sleeping. What do we do about that? Two quick thoughts. Number one, maybe, just maybe, Jesus is wanting you to wake up into the purpose God has called you to. And two, uh, that, that you and I have need to have more confidence in our Savior than we do the storm. The disciples were beginning to think that the storm had more strength and power than the Savior who is on the boat. 
with them. But let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Read this with me. Uh, immediately after this. Now, what is this? After this. Well, after he had fed the 5,000, after he had commissioned and sent out his disciples and said, hey, go do this and come back and report it to me. And after someone near and dear to him, John the Baptist was beheaded and executed. Uh, after all of that, over the last day or two, those things had happened. And so Jesus, being both human and divine, uh, he in this moment is, is starting to get a little worn out, uh, a little bit tired. It says Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other, this other side of the lake while he sent the people home. I love that. Jesus was a people person. Jesus loves people. So he got the disciples on the boat and then he went and shook hands. He went and said goodbye. He went and gave hugs. Uh, Jesus is, is the ultimate, man. He, he's, he's like the athlete that stays after and signs autographs. Dirk and Jesus, pretty similar. <laughs> um, but Jesus was a people person. He loved people. And while he sent the people home, verse 23, after sending them home, uh, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Went up into the hills by himself to pray. There it is again, right? That withdrawal and return pattern. He went to pray. After a long day, exhausted, worn out, what did he give himself to? Not sleep, not kicking his feet up, uh, not finding his most comfortable spot on the couch. Uh, he gave himself to prayer. I think so many of us, when we're tired, how many of you, when you're tired, pray? <laughs> In fact, how many of you, when you pray, get tired? I mean, come on, nobody's around. Nobody can see you. Like, you can raise your hand. Your kids might be a little judgmental, but like, you can raise your hand. How many of you, like, when you're tired and worn out, prayer is your first move? When you're tired and worn out, prayer is the go-to. That's what it was for Jesus. And maybe that speaks to the way Jesus approached prayer. Maybe it speaks to the idea that Jesus didn't look at prayer as a burden or a checkbox, but Jesus looked at prayer as a way to reinvigorate, as a way to bring life, as a way to stand back up, as a way to be uh, empowered and refreshed when he's feeling worn out. And when everything has been given, he goes to the Father to see what the Father will give to him, to be in relationship. You know those people that when you're worn out, you go to them and all of a sudden there's, a, there's something that happens in you and you're ready to go. You're you know, the person that always makes you, oh yeah, let's go, let's do this. You were tired 10 minutes ago. Uh, but something about certain people. And Jesus looked at prayer as a moment to get with his father and to be brought back to life. What if, what if prayer looked like that for us? David Guzik, in his uh, commentary of this portion of scripture, says, A long, difficult day spent ministering to the spiritual and physical needs of the multitude left Jesus exhausted. But that hard day drove Jesus to prayer, not from prayer. In other words, the challenges and the difficulties and the exhaustion didn't cause Jesus to step away from prayer and say, hey, when I've got more energy, it actually led him to prayer where he believed energy would be found. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now this is interesting for this reason. Uh, in the last portion of scripture, in the last story about wind and waves that we read, uh, the disciples were not in a posture of fighting, they were in a posture of fear. So, I reason I bring that up is to say that, that God speaks to both, both those moments where we are afraid for our lives 
or the moments where we are struggling or fighting for our life. In other words, at this moment, Jesus finds them fighting, struggling, pushing through, going after uh, what is in front of them. They, They have a different posture in this story. So this isn't a fear moment. This is a fight moment. And maybe for some of you, you felt like you've been in a fight moment. You've been in a struggle moment. You've been in a, hey, the wind is against us. The wind is not on our side. The wind is pushing back. It is contrary to the calling of my life. Maybe you felt that way. Well, about three o'clock in the morning, verse 25, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, there could be an argument made here that Jesus was late. (laughs) That three o'clock in the morning, the disciples are going, "Uh, where were you two hours ago? We've been fighting this for a while. Similar to Jesus being asleep on the boat, for some of us, Jesus walking on water at 3 a.m., could have been better if he walked on the water at 12 a.m. or 9 p.m., right? That he had shown up just a bit earlier. I've heard this quote before that said, Jesus is never late, but he sure does miss some opportunities to be early. For some of us, that's where we feel like, where have you been? Mary and Martha said the same thing to Jesus. If you had just been here, Lazarus would not have died. And yet, if he had been there, then Lazarus would also have not been raised from the dead, and we would have not seen fully what Jesus meant when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 26, we're going to run through this. You ready? Here we go. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. I feel like that's not, a, I feel like that's self-explanatory. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus heard that. So verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And if I was a book writer, which maybe I will be, I don't know. Uh, supposedly in quarantine, you're supposed to do something you've always talked about doing. I'm just trying to get done all the things that I'm used to doing uh, in quarantine. But maybe, maybe. Anyways, point being, this is my favorite, like favorite, favorite, favorite scripture uh, on, on courage and really favorite scripture on almost anything because I think it speaks to so much of this. But they're freaking out. They're already dealing with the wind and the waves. And then this dude shows up walking in water. Remember, at 3 a.m., there's not electricity around. There's not lights showing. There's not a whole bunch of ambient light. They're, they're just dealing with something on the water, not under it, not jumping, but standing on the water. So they're a little bit terrified. They're a little bit freaking out. They're going, what is going on? Jesus is standing on the water. And Jesus, hearing their fear, says to them, do not be afraid. It's me. Do not be afraid. It's me. Take courage. I am here. Now that word courage is important. The word courage comes from a Latin word for core. And the Latin word core spoke to the heart. It spoke to what is most important. Uh, Anyone who works out, not really something I'm good at, but anyone who works out can tell you the core is where everything matters. It centers everything. It brings everything together. You can have good leg strength, good arm strength, but if you don't have a good core, there's a lot of things you will not be able to do. The core is at, at the core of everything that we do to be healthy in our body. And so if we don't take care of our core and Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, hey, take courage, take hold of your heart, take hold of the thing that holds everything together because it's me. What are you filling your heart with? For me, courage is about what's in your heart. That's why in some translations, you would see the phrase, take heart, it's me. Take heart, it is I, Jesus. Take heart, take courage, grab hold of it. In other words, take it, have it, 
because it's there for you. Take courage, have courage, it's there for you. Now that statement, take courage, is what? Predicated, it's conditioned upon what? It is me. I'm here. Take courage because I am here with you. So when Jesus says, take courage, he understands. He's not saying, take courage, figure it out. He's saying, take courage because why? I am with you. See, courage it has always been cause and effect. Because he's with me, I will be strong and courageous. So even God's command to Joshua to be strong and courageous is not one of pressure, but one of encouragement because he's saying, be strong and courageous because I'll be with you. When Jesus sends the disciples into the world, he says, I will be with you even until the end of the age. Everything God does, he promises his presence. Hey, do this, I'm with you. Hey, go there because I've gone before you. Hey, it's all cause and effect. You don't have to have courage void of God's presence. You get to have courage because of God's presence. Every time he says, I'm here, it, he wants that to birth in you and develop in you a sense of courage and faith. See, courage right now in this moment is not built on the idea that we can figure it all out. No, no, no. Courage in this moment is built on the fact that even when we can't figure it out, God is still with us. St. Augustine said, he came walking on the waves. And so he puts all the swelling storms of life under his feet. Christians, why be afraid? I can take courage because he's with me. I understand that the waves are around me, but he is with me. Verse 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Some of the people think this is amazing. I think this is somewhat ignorant. And, and, and somewhat based in, I'm going to prove I love you. I'm going to prove it. We see this in Peter a couple other times. Peter is just trying to make the grade. And, and he learns, he realizes that's not the point. But, but I think in this moment, I, I, I see a little bit of this. And maybe you know that person. Maybe you are that person that would say something like this. I want you to think about this. They're in the middle of a storm. They just got freaked out. Jesus is there. Jesus says, take courage. I am here. He puts no other qualifications on them. He doesn't say, now walk on water. He just says, take courage. I'm here. And then Peter like, it was done. The story's over. Okay, Jesus is here. Great. He's going to calm the wind and waves. No, Peter has to go above and beyond. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What? Why? Why? Why would you say that? Why would, like, I get it. I want to be faith-filled, but why would I go, oh, Jesus is here. Instead of me telling you, come on to the boat. Why don't I get out of the boat and walk like you did? And Jesus looks at him. I love the response. Jesus looks at him and said, yeah, come on. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat and I'll walk on water with you. I mean, pretty bold. I'll walk. He doesn't say I'll swim to you. He says, I'll walk just like you're walking. And Jesus goes, okay. It's almost like he's like, I'm, I mean, what have I got to lose? Yeah, sure. Why, why not? Like, let's do it. I don't know where you and I, you live on this. And I don't know if I always live here, but I don't know how I've ended up in a place where I don't believe that's how Jesus always responds. I don't know how I've ended up in a place where I don't think that's the way Jesus would always respond to the grand dreams and the big vision that he has put in your heart. I think Jesus always wants to say, yeah, let's do that. Jesus, I see you. Call me out. I'll stand up. I'll move out. I'll go for it. I'll take a step. I'll lean in. 
Yeah, let's do that. Peter seemed to live according to this worldview that said anything Jesus can do, I can do. And not out of my own strength, but because if he says come, I'll come. If he says go, I'll go. Why don't you and I live that way? Why don't we have that kind of big faith? Hey, God, I believe this can happen. Yeah. Hey, God, I believe we can do this. Absolutely. Hey, God, I'm going to give this a shot. Yes, do that. Faith, risk, taking a chance, going for it, courageous decisions. And God is looking at that and going, absolutely. Maybe in this season we can move into that place where we can begin to say to God, big prayers, big dreams, big ideas. And he'll go, uh-huh. Yeah. When my son decides to jump a ramp on his bike, while I might at some level go, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm also saying, absolutely. I think God the Father is looking at us. I believe the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and Jesus' witness to us is saying to you and I, if you'll believe for it, if you'll dream it, if you'll say it, hey, let's give it a go. Let's give it a shot. Let's step out. What would happen if you lived that place? It lived in that place. What would happen if you took that step? Next part of the verse says, So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, I really... I really want to read that again because I want you to hear this um, before we get to the next part. Because for some of us have always heard this scripture in light of the next part. We've always heard uh, Jesus, about Peter walking uh, and, 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 and drowning. In fact, in so many cases, we've heard about what happens after Peter walked, not about the amazing miracle that, that Peter actually did. So I want to read this verse again, especially for those of you who have grown up in church and heard only about Peter drowning and not about Peter walking. I want to read this again because I want you, before you remember what happens next, I want you to think of the moment as it was in the moment. It says this, it says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Peter walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. Forget that in a moment things change and, and things shift. Just, just think about this. Peter walked on the water. Almost as though I, I, like they would get to the other side and, and people would remember that he drowned. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, even if I only took seven steps, I'm getting to the other side of the sea and I'm saying, did you see that? Like, did you see that? I mean, I think we almost sometimes mistitle this story. Jesus walking on water is pretty impressive, like pretty awesome. Peter walking on water, that's amazing, right? I'm not trying to diminish. Hopefully you don't take that as some kind of blasphemous statement. I'm just trying to tell you, Jesus's version of you, God's version of you is bigger than yours. And he wants you to be part of his story. It's why he created Adam to cultivate the ground. Because he always wanted to do this with you, not in spite of you. He wanted to have stories with you where he was able to go, Oh, Peter, remember the time I was on water? And then you said that absolutely ridiculous, crazy statement. And I said, sure, come on. And you walked on water? Like, that's how God wants to talk about his children. That's how God wants to talk about his people, is that they stepped out. 
They took a step. Now, one of my favorite preachers, Dave Gilpin, said this. He said, there's never, ever, 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 ever been a leap of faith. Only steps. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to take the leap, take the jump. But everything in the Bible is that he directs the what? Steps of a righteous man, that he, that he walks with you, that he w- the word would be the light unto our path and to each of our steps. Faith is about taking a step and then another step and then another step. Don't put the pressure on you taking a leap. Just take one step. And it might be a scary step and it might be a big step and it might be a step out of a boat that is floating onto a water that usually is porous and you fall in. But it might be, it might be one of those steps, but just take one step step. And that's what happens here. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. And this is what happens next. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Hey, imperfect prayers work too. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. But when he saw, when he saw, Matthew 6 says, an eye filled with light will have a body filled with light. We said this last week, Hebrews 12 speaks to the idea that when I set my eyes upon Jesus, he will author and initiate and perfect my faith. It is always about what you see. The fight of your life is the fight for your attention, what you give your attention to. In, in, in many ways, that is what we worship. We become what we look at. We become what we worship. We become what we honor. We become what we fix our attention on. But, but this is great. Verse 31. So he sinks and Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Love immediately took hold of him. Love grabbed him in his distress. William Barclay says this, The wonderful thing about Peter is that every time he fell, he rose again. And that it must have been true that even his failures brought him closer and closer to Jesus. I want you to just answer this question. In this story, who is closer to Jesus? The one who took a step and took a few steps and drowned and now is being held by the Savior or the ones who stayed on the boat. That is not to say, wow, you guys have little faith. It is just simply to say, like, what happens when we take risks, when we step out, when we lean in to the God dreams, when we lean in to the big thoughts, when we lean in to those those God prayers that say, if God, you can do this, I want to do it. And he says, yeah, let's do it. And even when we stumble along the way and we go, God, Help me. Because why? In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Uh, We may question or even look at Peter and go, wow, look at that. Lord, help me. He's crying out. Yeah, yeah. But, But that's faith too. He doesn't tell the waves to calm down. He doesn't go, I'm going to swim away. He doesn't try to do it in his own strength. He looks at Jesus and says, I know you can help. Your prayers may not always be perfect, but if they're pointed in the right direction, they will bring power into your life. Jesus immediately grabs hold of him and he asks this question. You have so little faith. 
Why did you doubt me? Now, the, the phrase little faith is more like a name. It's like saying, hey, come here, Big John and little faith. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's almost like a name. It's saying this is, why little faith? Why, why did you do this? It's, it's more than just a descriptor. It's, 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 it's more than just, oh, you have little faith. It's like that. You basically dwindled yourself down to that. You, you have shaped yourself in little faith. You have made yourself little faith. And Jesus is saying, why would you have little faith? Similar to the question we see in Mark 4, right? Where did your faith go? Where did you place it? Because if you misplace faith, fear will take its place. He says, why did you doubt me? Why did, why did you have doubt in me? And doubt can be looked at as divided. It's a divided mind or a divided belief, divided in two. It's almost similar to the way God says, have no other gods before me, which is sometimes better read as have no other God beside me. In other words, don't raise other things to the level of me. Don't bring me down to the level of other things because you will have a schizophrenic faith. You will have a faith in one second that's willing to get out of a boat and walk to me and a fear in the next second that believes the wind and waves are bigger than me. You will on Monday love me and on Tuesday forget me and on Wednesday serve me and on Thursday, walk away. And when we begin to elevate other things to the same power and value and honor of Jesus, we have begun to always bounce around and we get exhausted doing that. We get tired looking from this place to that place, to this thing, to that thing, to this savior, to that savior. Do not elevate other things to the level of Jesus. And this is why faithfulness is fruitful because it is eyes locked in stayed on and Monday you're sowing into it, Tuesday you're sowing into it, Wednesday it's being watered, Thursday it's getting sun on it, Friday it's beginning to break the surface, Saturday it's bearing fruit, Sunday you start again and God is continually producing fruit in you. Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. By this point, the disciples are beginning to sense something. They're beginning to see, well, if you will, a pattern, right? They're beginning to see that something changes when Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, peace seems to inhabit the place. Peace seems to take over. And when Jesus is around, peace is there. That's what, such a, a testimony to where someone has put their faith and where someone has put their trust based on the peace that they carry in their life. It, there's a peace, there's a stillness, there's a calmness, not an inactivity, not a lethargy, not an apathy, but there is a peace, there's a stillness, a quiet in their soul that allows them to walk with confidence and strength and make decisions and, and walk powerfully and strong because there's a peace, there's a, there's a rest in their soul. There's a confidence in who they are and who Jesus is. And, and just as the story we read, last week, the disciples are beginning to see that when Jesus shows up, peace shows up. And that's what we want. We want the God of peace. We want the God of hope. We want the God that is faith, hope, and love. We, we want that. We want to believe and trust in Jesus in such a way that peace begins to invade the space where we live, in our homes, in our families, with our friends, in our workplace. There would be peace. And we want that peace across the earth. We want heaven invading earth. With wit When heaven shows up, peace shows up. So they begin to understand this. They begin to see this. And, and then this statement from the rest of the disciples, I, I love this, similar to, again, what happened in the previous story. It says, you really are the Son of God. The disciples worshipped Him and said, you really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Your walk will bring about the worship of Jesus. And that is my hope and desire in this season for the church. That the way we walk through this season would bring about the worship of Jesus 
in the lives of people. So what is the pattern here? What, what, what's the thing? What's, the, what's the, the back and forth? What's the, um, the withdrawal and return that you and I should do? What's the temple and table? What's the death and resurrection? Well, I just I want to change this. If this is the only two weeks we spend on wind and waves, I want you to hear this. This is the pattern. And, and here's what I want to clarify. This pattern is less about what you are to do and more about what Jesus always will do. This is more about what Jesus will do in every situation, in every wind and wave moment, in every storm that comes. This is, the, this is the way Jesus will react. This is the pattern I want you to hear about Jesus so that when you walk into a storm, this is what you know to be true. Now, I'm going I'm to read it from William Barclay because, well, some people, eh, maybe a lot of people, say it better than me. Immediately, Jesus saw his friends in trouble. His own problems were set aside. The moment for prayer was past. The time for action had come. He forgot himself and went to help his friends. That is of the very essence of Jesus. The cry of human need to him surpassed all other claims. It is the simple fact of life, a fact which has been proven by countless thousands of men and women in every generation, that when Christ is there, the storm becomes calm. What cannot be done is done. The unbearable becomes bearable, and men and women pass the breaking point but do not break. To walk with Christ will be for us also, the conquest of the storm. I want to encourage you today. You're walking through a storm. We're walking through a storm. The wind and waves have shown up. And we are in this moment having the opportunity to choose Jesus. To, to do what many others have. Like Hebrews 11, the, the, the hall of faith. Uh, that, that we get to, to lay claim to this promise. That hey, you can take courage because I am here. You can take courage I will be with you. Go into all the world because I will never, ever leave you. And that when Jesus shows up, peace shows up. When Jesus shows up, faith shows up. And maybe, just maybe for some of us today, we're standing on the boat. Jesus has shown up and there's this urge, there's this want, there's this desire to yell out some crazy statement and say, God, I will. Hey, God, I want to. Hey, God, I'm going to. And Jesus says, yes, do that. And for some of us today, that I, God, I will. Hey, God, I want to is this simple thing. Jesus, I'll surrender my life to you. Jesus, I want to go with you wherever you go. Jesus, I want to stand as you stand. I want to walk where you walk. I want to do what you do. I want to surrender who I am to who you are. And in so doing, I would discover really, truly who I am. Today, I want you to know that God is with you. Jesus is with you. And you can take courage. You can have courage. Let me pray with you. Lord, I pray right now. Every person who's just listened to this, every person who's even heard this story before, but today something new is happening. And for those who've never heard this story, you're going, well, I've never seen Jesus like that before. God, I pray that today they would take courage. I pray that we would take courage and that the church would walk in such a way that, be, that it begins to birth worship in the earth of who you are. God, I pray that for those of us who feel like the storms are working against us, that we are having to fight against the storm, work against the storm, that in this moment we would discover where you are, that you're with us. And God, I pray those of us who have big dreams and big ideas and something we want to do, and maybe lately it's almost felt like, well, now that can't happen. God, I pray we look at the impossible and we just deem it a word, not a truth, but that what is impossible is possible 
with Jesus. And God, that we would begin to pray prayers like, hey, if that's you, God, I'm going to go. And you're going to look at us and say, absolutely. God, I pray that we'd take courage today. That we'd stand up and in the core of who we are, we would know that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you, um, if you made a decision today to follow Jesus, there's an opportunity for you to, to walk this out with others who have done the same. And I'm so happy for you. I believe there's a new courage for your life. There's a new faith for your life. There's a new hope for your life. And it's not because of you. It's because of Him. And because He's caused it, you get to live in the effect of it. And so congrats. We celebrate you. And God is so excited that you would turn to Him and go, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going with you. And so we love you. We're excited for you. Uh, please let us know you made that decision. And for the rest of you, and um, for all of us, hey, take courage. God is with you.